Welcome to The Flow. I am Augusto Garcia. And Kaylee Hewlett. This is where we talk to some awesome guests, from regular people like you and I, to interesting creatives, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. We ask them how they got started, what got them inspired, what was the spark, how did they overcome some of their hurdles, what were some of their mistakes and regrets, and what keeps them going, and how would they do it now if they had to start all over. Today we're talking to Payam Safa. Payam's best known for creating the Bellhop app, which aggregates all the major ride hauling services in one place. But beyond Bellhop, it's fascinating to see how he trained himself and got started. Enjoy. Welcome, guys. Here we have uh, Kaylee and Payam. I'm super excited to to be talking to Payam. We, we want to hear more about this this great entrepreneur and see what's going on in his life right now. Cool. Awesome. So, Payam, firstly, just tell us a little bit more about what you're doing right now, your business, but most importantly, what actually inspired you. So, the quick business overview is. Bellhop is a all-in-one ride-hailing app, so we combine companies like Uber, Lyft, Get, Curb, Juno, Via, etc. into one app, so consumers have the ability to compare across price, ETA, total travel time um, in one place without having to, you know, like I said, figure out which ones are available. So it's like kayak for ride-hailing, essentially. And in terms of inspiration. Um, I've been kind of a tech geek since a young age. I was programming um, starting in high school and always had the vision that any technology company that I wanted to start would have to have the ability to scale globally immediately. And so kind of going through life, I always tinkered with different ideas. And when I started a hotel chain in Indonesia a few years back, I came to the realization that there was a need in the market to connect all apps across food, entertainment, and transport into one app. So really, the inspiration at the source came from my love for travel and hospitality. And when I was building the hotel chain, I realized that there was a gap in the market for consumers not knowing even what the best apps are, especially when they're traveling, but even when they're at home. So the idea was to bring all of these apps into one app without having these, without needing these other apps. And then from there, it, it transformed into going deep down the vertical of transportation as our starting place, which is what we're focused on right now. Got it. So is it going to be branching out into those other sectors like entertainment, food, etc.? Exactly. So we actually already have the platform built for the other verticals. So let's take food delivery as an example. We plan to aggregate, you know, Seamless, Grubhub, Postmates, DoorDash, Caviar, Uber Eats, Delivery.com, et cetera. The list goes on and on. Because consumers don't have the ability to compare across all these apps, it's pretty much impossible. Uh, an average consumer might have one or two of these apps in each of these verticals, but the reality is there's so many more. And so you're always missing out on making the best decision for you because it's practically impossible to have multiple apps within each vertical. So we solve that problem for the consumer by seamlessly pulling it into one. And then from food delivery, we can go into restaurant reservations and entertainment as well. Awesome. Fascinating. Fascinating. 
and I, and I, I'm thinking about this how how you took inspiration for from your background in hospitality. It's great. Um, I'm also thinking we always talk about like big changes in our lives or big inspiration pieces, but what are some like little moments in your life that sparked a small change, and perhaps it became a good small change, but it became a medium change or something, even a big one. Yeah, I mean, I think probably there's been a few junctures in my life where, you know, one thing has led to the next. And I think just generally speaking in life, it's a constant progression of making it, taking a decision that then opens up a whole new set of possibilities. And, you know, so those junctures have been, I don't want to go through all of them, but I think one of the biggest junctures was when the opportunity for starting the hotel chain in Indonesia happened. Um, because I didn't have any hospitality or travel background. I was a technology guy growing up. And when that opportunity presented itself, it was like, it was, you know, just what, how many times in your life does an opportunity to start a hotel chain from scratch happen, right? And then obviously the, the thing that resulted of that was, well, actually, the tech company that I started before this, which is Channelink. But when I entered the travel and hospitality space, putting the technology lens on it opened up so many possibilities to apply technology within travel and hospitality. So that would probably be one of the bigger junctures. Another kind of, I think, big juncture, which was prior to that, was going to business school in Seattle, which is a global business school, meaning it has campuses in France, in Singapore, Abu Dhabi, and they're actually just opening up a campus now in, in North America. Oh, well, where'd you go? Did you go to France? I, I spent time in both Singapore and France. And so, and so from there, just having that global network of friends in 80 countries, which is how many nationalities are represented in every class, is what presented opportunities to even be in a country like Indonesia, which then led to kind of where I am. So it's all these like, you know, steps of juncture, if you want to call it, that lead to each step leading to new possibilities. Fantastic. Awesome. Um, okay. And so just moving on from that, what advice would you give uh, to a smart driven college student about entering the real world? I would say invest in yourself and, mm-hmm. and that's time and money, right? You know, I, I also do think that having corporate or kind of like experience and mentorship from other individuals that have successfully built something meaningful. And so the combination of those two, right? Cause experience is great when, you know, you, are learning from somebody else, but it's something to actually do it you're on your own. And, mm-hmm. and so for me, I've always been a proponent of investing in, in myself, whether it's been education or it's been in, in a business. Um, but, you know, if you continue to make invest, so don't hold on to like your resources, like, like money, right? Because, there's always a way to leverage that and put it towards right. something that can that can have a greater return. Now there's risk associated to it, so you have to be wise on where you're investing your money. But always invested in things that you've done due diligence on, whether it's your own business or it's you know investment opportunity like buying a property or whatever it might be. But I say always invest in yourself and the decisions that you make that are important to you. So That's would you so cool. say as well if you are going to college as well, you'd say 
to maybe have a mentor outside of that if the you know if you had the funds available to do so as an investment for example yeah i mean having mentors or an individual that can guide you in your decision making is critical right because yeah. uh have you know your our knowledge is constrained by our own experiences and the only way to in you know increase your knowledge is to have influence from those around you, meaning, mm-hmm. for example, a mentor. Um, so, so, so experiences are driven by things that you do on your own and input that you receive from others. So, the more the more input that you have based on those two variables, the more potential possibilities present themselves because you're just increasing the information and knowledge that's available to you. Totally. And just one quick note on that, because I know that, you know, for some industries, it's really specific. For example, in the media industry, rather than go and uh, train at school for media, a lot of people tend to go out into the industry and just learn on the job because you can be hands-on. You know, there's a lot of physicality to it and you're there with the equipment. It's live. It's an interactive experience. Would you say that just depending on the subject matter, that that's a good approach? Or because, you know, now I think in recent years, there's been more of people saying just be out on the job and learn firsthand rather than be in a classroom and learn. But then I guess it depends, you know, if you're going to do a law degree or to be a doctor, then you need a doctorate, you need a certificate, right? So just depending on the subject matter and, and internal experience and how you prefer to learn. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you kind of pinpoint something right there are some job functions that require an extensive amount of training before you can you know start performing that act like being a being a surgeon right you have to go through intense training and real life procedures to then become certified to perform let's say a surgery on your own and you the more hours you spend on one thing the more of an expert you become and then there's other things where you know, like you said, there's, you don't need to go through a proper certification, like building your own website, right? You could just start doing that. There is no need to become a quote unquote expert by spending 10,000 hours until you get some certification. And so I think that part of it depends on where your passions lie. If you do have the passion to become a surgeon, then it, it makes complete sense to invest your time, your energy, and education to train yourself to become that. If if you're if the thing that you're passionate about isn't in a space that requires that type of intense training, then I think the best strategy would be to teach yourself enough through education where you become competent in the capability or the skills that are necessary, but then actually apply that capability in real life scenarios where you're actually building and, you know, taking action towards developing an application that can be, you know, applied and, and, and generating the revenues or the user base or whatever might be that the end goal is. Cool. So real, real, cool. real, life, real life example is always the way to go. Right. I'm going to continue on that. Like, now, clearly, the, the, your education was like a great investment. And what are other like time, money and energy investments that you've made that really paid off? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 an entrepreneur that I think literally about 120% in, right? I've for the last three years invested all types of capital that I've had available to me into this business, and so 
you know, the payout is, you know, we've grown and we've built a product that people are loving more and more. And, you know, it's still very early, but we're, we're in the process of, of making something significant. Other investments that I've made is, um, I've bought property. So I've invested uh, in something that's less risky than, than, you know, the business that I'm operating in. Um, but you know, those are, those are probably the two biggest things where I put my money is into property and, and my business. Uh, at some point, in, I, I had previous to this, I had invested a huge amount of capital into various stocks and, and, but I've, in the, in, in, since then, um, sold them off to, to reinvest it into the business. That's great. So, um, a question I have for you was, how is, how has failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have like a favorite? failure if you like so i think i i personally i think you know failure is is a mindset right um failure is when you actually stop doing something and or like let's say you pivot in another direction you could have you could arguably say well what i was previously doing could be seen as a failure but the resiliency and grit means you also know how to persevere down a path where it leads to ultimate success, where success can be defined by any KPI that is meaningful based on the project or business that you're working with. So, so like, you know, for example, right, I could say one failure was I invested in my, in my property um, at the peak of the market in 2007 and you know, that could have been a failure, but then at one point it was underwater because it was a hundred thousand, you know, the property ended up being a hundred thousand dollars less than what I bought it at. And, you know, in that moment, that could have been a failure because I made the wrong, you know, quote unquote, the wrong decision, but then I persevered and I stuck through it. And, and now the property is worth 20% over what I bought it at. So it's kind of also sticking it through and knowing that, you can turn things around if you stick with it long enough and if you have resiliency built in. Another thing that I could say is, um, for example, the business that I started before this, I, I had worked on it for about a year and ended up shutting it down. So it, you could arguably say, well, okay, well, that was a failure. You started something, you invested $20,000 and you ended up um, shutting it down. Or the other perspective that you could take is how much you learn from that and the success right. of that learning mm-hmm. is, is so much more valuable because what I learned is, um, things like how to build a team and how to build partnerships and how to raise money. And, you know, cause all these things happened in that. But the reason why I shut it down is because the opportunity cost of not working on bellhop. So the reason why I shut it down is to work right. on bellhop. But mm-hmm. the reason, but why I did that because is because I came to a decision tree of, of what's the opportunity cost of not doing bellhop. And so, and it was, it was the opportunity, the cost of not doing bellhop was greater than continuing the previous business, which was channeling. And so in that moment, I decided to shut down the other one because I knew if I didn't do this, I would regret that decision. And so the failure you could have said is, well, I, I shut it down. But for me, that was success because it led me down this path of doing what I'm doing now. I was going to ask about the time, like, um, without so 
proving something wrong quick enough uh, it's also a great measure, right? Like, I mean, like we're gonna always gonna be having ideas, so might as well test them quick. And mm-hmm. also, all those learnings improve the speed that you can bring on new concepts such as Gahab right. to the tradition. Exactly. So it's 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 it comes back to the mentality, right? If you if you take something, let's say my example, channeling, and then I stop, meaning I didn't continue down the path that I was going down in the path. You could say, well, bellhop is is the continued path from the previous business. Then, arguably, that would be a failure because you you gave up. And the way I would define it is, if you give up on something, but if you're continuing and you're learning from those mistakes, then it's just part of the process, right? Yeah, I think um, as well, it just highlights the idea of persistence and patience, you know, and being resilient. And so all of these different characteristics that form to create that, you know, solid foundation when things can get, you know, second guessing yourself and things can get tricky. It's like owning that and saying, no, okay, you know, I know that this is going to turn good because as you say, everything's perspective. So it's a great reminder in. Totally. Yep. And, and let's say, like, recently, in, in the last five years or so, what's a new belief or behavior that you changed in the last five years that you see improving your life? Oh, uh, I would say being vulnerable. I, 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 as an entrepreneur, and, and you know, I think you know this very well, right, uh, with, with some of the education that we've had, is having that entrepreneurial mindset I always I've always been action oriented and I've always been the type that's taken on a lot of responsibility and just done things and moved things forward and the flip side of that is I would hold a lot of things in so I wouldn't I wouldn't you know seek out others help per se because I thought I could take on everything on my own and so as a result of that it's harder to grow because I would keep things inside and not share or seek it out when I really need it. And part of that is because I wouldn't want to look bad in front of others. So like, for example, I had investors and like a year ago when things were a little bit tougher, I wouldn't send out regular investor updates because, you know, things might not have been good for like a month or two. And, 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 and now the way I operate is it doesn't matter what's happening shit is always going to happen. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. And it comes back to that resiliency and patience and pushing through. But with that said, in those times when things are difficult and shit's hitting the fan, that's when you need help even more. And so being, being open to that feedback and being vulnerable to say, okay, right now I suck. Right now things are not going well. But hey, as because of that, I need your help and guidance more. And so that vulnerability comes in because I need to be open and willing to share that right now things are difficult and aren't as good and, and be willing to take that criticism or that feedback to then incorporate that to improve and grow. And that's, that's a big learning that I've had in the past couple of years. Great. And just being, I think it's also just playing with the ego, isn't it? And saying, exactly. and feeling proud and saying, no, it's okay to actually ask for help. Because I think one huge misconception is that people think they can do it all. And knowing your strengths and weaknesses is one of the biggest gifts that you can own because you know what you're good at and you know what you're not good at. So it's always outsourcing those things you're not good at 
That way, you, across the board, you can all be working at an optimal level. Totally. So, and and this feeds on perfectly to the next question. And you know, by saying that you can take it all on and doing it all yourself, there's often a feeling of overwhelm, even sometimes feeling unfocused because there's so much going on in the mind that it's having to hold space for so many different thoughts. Mm-hmm. So. Um, whenever you get into that phase, what do you actually do? Is there any tips that you can give to help people out there when they get into that, you know, overwhelmed phase? Ah, uh, that's a great question. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I because I can, you know, get philosophical. I'm like, what does being overwhelmed mean, right? Um, yeah. And well, yeah, because again, it's another perception, right? Right. It's it's what you create. So being overwhelmed means you could be taking on too much at any given moment and you're stressing out because you don't know how to manage everything that you just took on. And part of that, part of, you know, the solution there is tied exactly back to the ability to for help and get it when you need it. And so I think Augusto, for example, is a, is a great example in what he did in this situation, which is he was able to get, like, for example, you to be a part of this call, right? He could have taken it by himself, um, and maybe that would have been overwhelming. But then when he was able to say, okay, hey, Kylie, are you interested in this endeavor? And that lessens the stress because now it's not just all on him. Now there's two of you. And so the more individuals that you have onboarded in anything that you're working on decreases that stress because that the 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 responsibility is is now kind of you know spread out. Shared, yeah. And if it's if it's what tip would you give if it's not outsourcing kind of outside outside of yourself, but it's something within that you can tackle or manage? Yeah, I mean I think I think ultimately there is no such thing. You can't, if you hold it in, you are, you're increasing your stress. So whether it's bringing on another individual or it's, or it's asking for help and seeking it outside of yourself is the way you decrease the stress. Right. Right. And, and also on that, on that level, like decreasing the, the, the stress, what are, what are some of the things that you became better at saying no to? Like distractions or things that people invite you to. Is there any approach to help or? Yeah, I mean, I think my philosophy is everything is opportunity cost. So with every decision, what you say no to is very important because that means you're saying yes to something else. So the way you say no is a quick, you know, judgment call or calculation on why you're saying no and spending your time elsewhere. I don't know. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, I totally get it. It's almost like you're voting time, right? On, yeah. More than one half. Exactly. So you, you should be saying no more, or at least it might not be an actual no. It's just moving your attention in another direction. I think it's a really important question, actually, because I think a lot of the time people think by saying yes, it's a good thing. But actually, you know, you only have so many hours in the day to get so many things done. So you have to right. be really mindful about where you focus your attention, you right. know, and progress goes where focus goes. So it means then that you're honing in on one thing. You can actually see results because you're you're not distracted by multiple different things. So I think it's a really powerful thing. And when you can master it, 
um, it can do really good for you. Um, yeah, what would you say? Um, so what would you say, quote unquote, are bad recommendations to your professional, your area of expertise? Bad recommendations. Guy, you know, I, I come from like, I come from a mindset where everything that you hear is valuable, right? Like, like no stupid questions type of thing, because it might not be something that's relevant to you and it could be quote unquote bad, but it's still good or it's valuable to hear that because it's, it's just an, an, an input variable. And it's for you to decide on what that means or how to apply it or not apply it. And the fact that somebody out there thinks like that is value. Right. Right. So it's an opportunity and, and, to kind of have a perspective on it, right? Exactly. So I, mean, I know I'm taking like an inverse approach to answering this, but. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. <laughs> and, and it's what, good. It's something good. that is like usual or absurd or unusual habit that you love. An unusual or absurd habit? Yeah, or something that you think differently than everybody, and they're like, I like that idea, and people think it's weird. Wait, what's the purpose of the question? What's the what's something yeah, absurd or unusual? Yeah, I think it would maybe tie to the vulnerability thing that you brought up earlier, right? That you said, like, look, there's, you know, some things that I still believe and maybe it's not validated by a bunch of people, but I go by that law or by that, that value. I don't know. Yeah, okay. So I'll give you a backpacking story. So I'm I'm spontaneous to the point where... I'll I'll go on like a backpacking trip for like three four weeks by myself, and I won't I will not figure out where I'm gonna sleep until I arrive in that city or town with my backpack, and it could be 10 p.m. at night, and I'll walk around aimlessly on the streets, and I'll talk to people randomly. They could be a bum, they could be somebody trying to sell me crap, and. I'll figure out a way to find a place to sleep. That's 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 pretty crazy. <laughs> and so I think one final question we have is what words of wisdom would you share, whether it's a word, a quote, a phrase, or just something that you think's really potent that you think really compelling to share? Words of wisdom. I'm sure you have many. <laughs> it's tricky to find one. I know. Oh. No, it's not true. Um, okay. Uh, super quick one. It's either a fuck yes or it's a no. I love that one. I think that, again, I think that's really, that's a really potent message. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 I, I, I can give you the, I can give you the in-depth analysis on that, but you could just sit there and think about it. <laughs> <laughs> love it love it awesome I mean that's great yeah alright guys super quick to wrap it up where can people find you and follow up what's the best channel to, to hit you up to continue the conversation email is great uh, it's payam that's p-a-y-a-m bellhop dot me m-e at the end great 
Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. That was Thank awesome. you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good to chat. Yeah. Cheers. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Ciao. Bye. Yeah. Thank you for listening. On the description below, you can see links to the items we referred to in the conversation, as well as a connection to our guest. Hope you enjoy. See you next time. Oh,